Today's episode is presented by Lodestar, the fee experts. Welcome to this week's episode of Lending Leaders. My name is Alina Gardner, and today I'm joined by Travis Dyson. He's the VP in sales at Flagstar Bank. He is a CMP, CMB, an AMP, a CMCP, and an SSBBP. All of the letters that could possibly happen. Uh, thank you so much, Travis, for joining me today, and uh, thank you for giving your time to the show. Absolutely. Thank you. And I'm actually, my goal is to get every one of the alphabet letters in those acronyms. So I'm, I've got a long ways to go yet. So you have, you have a, quite a few <laughs> letters that you're missing. There's a lot like P's are really repetitive for some reason yep. in titles like this. Um, but you know, obviously you have a lot of letters after your name, but can you tell me a little bit about your journey into the mortgage industry and how you got here to get all of those letters? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, going way back, I, back to early, late, 2000, late 90s, early 2000s is kind of when I got into the business development side of things. And I actually started in the auto finance industry, um, wanted to get into mortgages. I had buddies that were in the mortgage industry. And back then they were making a boatload of money. Um, so it was appealing to me in my early 20s. Right. And so but I didn't want to go into the business without knowing the business before I went into the business development side. So I actually got on board with the uh, consumer finance companies back in the early 2000s and learned the origination side of the business. Um, did retail with Wells Fargo and a couple of other companies. And then um, when I moved to the Boise market, I had an opportunity um, It kind of fell into my lap to go into the wholesale arena on a subprime um, basis. And so I took that opportunity and then, um, you know, in early, early 2007 kind of saw the writing on the wall with respect to where subprime was going and um, had the fortunate opportunity again to, to meet up with the regional vice president at Flagstar Bank in the West Coast at that time. Um, he happened to be in Boise interviewing somebody else for the same position that I was interested in. So we, um, you know, I swung by the airport and picked him up and, um, that was almost 17 years ago. So the rest is history from there. Um, I've been, uh, you know, some people look at me and wonder what the heck's wrong with my head, but, um, I love doing this job. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I cover Idaho, Montana and Wyoming for Flagstar amongst other various, um, activities that I do with the NBA and, um, you know, informal capacity with Flagstar too. So. Yeah. And I mean, I think you kind of mentioned it in your conversation here, but you know, you also do a lot on LinkedIn, which you didn't mm -hmm. mention, but you post, I think most more consistently than most people I know. And a lot of, a lot of thoughts, a lot of thought leadership, which is amazing. Um, and within that, and kind of also within your journey, it seems like you take a very person first approach, right? Like you mentioned picking them up from the airport and that's the type of stuff I think in the mortgage industry is so important. We are a relationships business, right? Absolutely. Yep. It's how you get roles. It's how you get business. Um, so, you know, you take that person first approach in lending and to work. And so in all of your content and in all of our research, you know, we saw you really emphasize a couple of things. So gratitude, leadership, learning from change. And are you seeing that in this current market, those are harder to champion than they were maybe in previous markets? Um, uh, and how would you suggest other lenders push for those things? Uh, I'd say a hundred percent is harder in a current environment that we're in. I'd say, go back to, you know, first quarter of 2022, and we've kind of been in the same cycle or rut, whatever you want to call it. Um, and in the beginning, the attitude and the positivity and everything that was rolling off of the, the boomer years that we had in early COVID, um, it was still there and we knew we were going to face some tough challenges, but, um, the, the mentality was strong as you, month after month after month, and we saw mm -hmm. things continue to deteriorate. 
um, it absolutely gets um, harder to manage change. Um, it gets harder to see the future and, 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 and be a visionary and see what's in front of you or what you need to do in order to be in the right position um, when things do turn around. So um, I, if, from my perspective, the, the best thing that we can do as industry participants is continue to, to help lift each other up and empower um, not just the team members that we work with, but our competitors, um, our industry partners, um, the better we are as, a, as an industry, um, the better we all are going to be in the in the long run. Um, and the more mindset and positivity we spread around, whether it's through my posts that I do, um, mm -hmm. you know, daily on LinkedIn, or I know, you know, there's other folks out there that do quite a bit of it as well. Um, that's what really drives me to do that is not it's par partially for me um, to keep my mindset where I want it to be at, because, um, you know, believe it or not, even though stuff you read, uh, it's hard for me to keep my mind that way. And that's one of the reasons that I do that. Um, and I know if I'm struggling, I'm probably one of the more positive people that I know, um, just from what, you know, feedback I get from folks like that. So, um, there's, there's people out there that are more bubbly than I am, but I do like to try and bring that to the, to the game every time I show up. Uh, if I'm having a hard time keeping that mindset that I know other people are out there as well. And that's really what drives me to, um, to publish that stuff on a daily basis is to somebody, if one person can read it and it can turn their day around, then that's, uh, you know, it's a win for me. Yeah, I think that's, you know, so important when we talk about mental health. Um, I talk a lot about it as well. And, you know, sometimes it's just the feeling of knowing you're not alone in that mindset. You know, you know, you're not the only one struggling, you know, you know, and I think it's, it's very easy, you know, in this market to, to feel depressed, right? Like mm -hmm. we, we had the subject line in our, our weekly newsletter recently was the, when the scariest thing uh, we could bring you is mortgage news for Halloween, right? Yep. And I think there's definitely, it's, it's a tough thing to kind of keep that positivity going in this market. Um, yeah, on the mental health side but, of things, it's, it's um, without going too far off base, my mom passed away when, when I was younger, when I was nine years old. And that's always been a passionate thing for me is it's, and that was a mental health situation that, that led to that. Um, for, so from a very young age, I was driven to, you know, advocate against or for mental health awareness. Um, even when mental health awareness was a, a stigmatism, if you will, in the eighties and early nineties, people didn't want to talk about it. Um, uh, and especially like not without getting into the female and male side of things, I think it's harder sometimes for male to be vulnerable when it comes to their mental health. And it's, it's, you, you have that masculinity persona that people expect you to bring. Um, and I think it's important that we, that we make sure that it's okay to, to say you're not feeling well, or it's okay to say, I'm not in a good mood today, or so you can be depressed. It's, um, I think the more that that's out there, whether it's social media posts about what we can do in the mortgage industry to be better, or just somebody in general reading that, if it's a consumer or somebody from a completely different industry, that they see that it, somebody's out there stating that it's okay. Um, you know, hopefully that does the same for them because you never want somebody to be out there on their own in a dark place with nobody to talk to or nobody to look at to lean on. So. Yeah. And I mean, every, every time I've, I've posted something, you know, on my personal channel or my personal LinkedIn about my own mental health struggles, you know, I'm mm -hmm. clinically diagnosed with depression, anxiety, all of this stuff. And, one of the things that I think has been so optimistic for me is seeing the response that I get from other people in the industry and saying, oh, you're not the only one I get. It's not, it's not just the public comments, right? It's the private yep. messages. It's the, it's those moments where, you know, I always say that, say very similarly. And Absolutely. I think there's a really big tie-in between thought leadership and mental health, right? Because thought leadership is so much of that. It's realizing our humanity in 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 the business world 
Um, how do you look at your thought leadership approach when you sit down and try and make a post? You know, that's an interesting one because I'm not in a formal leadership role, if you will, within my company. Um, I, informally, I, I advocate with a lot of folks, collaborate with a lot mm -hmm. of folks in the industry, and I, um, and, you know, I mentor um, industry partners and, and folks at other companies that are just looking for guidance on that kind of stuff. So I always try mm -hmm. and take my mindset and put it into the position of a leader, um, knowing, though, that, you know, in reality, we're all leaders in one way or another, whether it's in our households, with, with you know, with our you know, sibling relationships, familial relationships, whatever you want to look at it as it's, we all have leadership traits um, within us and it's some of us may not know that they're there. So um, I try and deliver those messages in a way where if somebody who's in a formal leadership capacity is reading it, they can relate back to their position or their, their job within the industry or whatever it is they might be doing. Um, but I also want the average Joe to read it and know that they can make an impact from a leadership perspective just as much as the next person can, whether, you know, it can be in a social community circle at their church, um, at a mm -hmm. school or anything along the sports team, stuff like that. So um, I don't, Anyone I try to make sure I'm not leader. directing it towards one particular path, but encompassing it. So everybody reading it can get some value out of it. No. And I think that's a really viewpoint, a really great viewpoint for you to take. So I know we mentioned all of your lovely letters at the beginning of this episode. So I'm going to bring us back to that. And so you recently earned your Six Sigma Black Belt mm -hmm. um, from Management and Strategy Institute, which is an amazing achievement. So congratulations on that. Um, what kind of inefficiencies and in business practice, practice defects do you think people are overlooking right now? Um, um, after you with just from the lens of that training, right? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I read a quote this morning and I can, I can tie it back to this, but it's, it's, we need to, um, for the lack of better words, shut up and listen. So what I mean by that is when we go into a situation where we're looking to improve a process or enhance a, a product offering or, or enhance the customer experience, we really need to step back, um, lock our mouths and listen to what the customer wants or what they're looking for. Because ultimately, if the customer is not there, we're not in the capacity that we are within the industry. Um, so, you, you know, knowing what we're trying to change and why we're trying to change it is, is, is a critical component of, of, you know, change processes. Um, but going into it with a roadmap and having checkpoints along the way, I see a lot of that that, you know, but this time of year is a perfect example. You get folks mm -hmm. that want to set their, their goals for 2024 and put business plans in place. And they do all this stuff. They spend, you know, four to six weeks at the end of the year getting ready for January 1st of the following year. Um, and I've seen some amazing business plans and some really good goal structure from folks. Um, and then you circle back around to them the following year when they're doing it again and ask them how they did the year before and they didn't hit any of their metrics. And you, and you ask them why. And then you have a conversation with them about it. Um, and they didn't have a roadmap on how they wanted to get to where they wanted to get to. They had a destination, but they had no idea how they were getting there from point A to point Z, if that makes sense. Um, no. So really sitting yeah. down with the stakeholders that are involved in change processes and, and identifying what we're trying to fix, why we're trying to fix it, but then building the road to get there and having checkpoints, whether it's quarterly, monthly, weekly, however, it depends on the project, but um, being able to check back and make sure that we're still on the right path um, to get where we want to get to. And then ultimately, if we, if we veer off path, we need to be able to get back onto the right path in a, in a quick manner, not, you know, months. It's got to be something where we can catch it quickly and move back onto the right, um, you know, wavelength or path we're trying to get to. Yeah. And I think something that, you know, we tend to forget about sometimes. We get that. 
Yeah, there you are. And um, so sometimes it's it's not a matter, you know, the accountability for ourselves is so important. And so it's definitely something that, you know, no one wants to say, I think I'm going to mess up this project, right? No one wants to say mm-hmm. other things are going to come up and this project's going to be delayed because I needed to do X, Y, and Z. But it happens all of the time, right? Um, and having those accountable checkpoints that say, at this month, at this time, we're going to get together and talk about our what we've accomplished towards our goal, what we've accomplished towards, you know, what stages we need to complete. Um, and really ask yourself, is this project still worth doing? I think that's something, you know, we do a lot internally yep. at Lodestar is we'll start a project, get, you know, maybe it's, a, uh, I'm going to use marketing projects for an example. We'll try it for a few months. And a lot of times, you know, our standard runtime as a test for any marketing project is three months. And after three months, if it's not working, we cut it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also knowing when is it time to give up on that and try something new? No, absolutely. And you made a good point in the beginning of that when you talked about there's going to be pitfalls and there's going to be failures and we have to learn from those failures. But the other key component of that is trying to identify those those potential pitfalls or failures that might pop up along the way, um, acknowledging that those might show up and then also having plans in place to attack those if they do become an issue, um, you know, as we might expect them to. So um, not just being able to adapt when that failure or that pitfall comes around, but trying to identify them before you actually get to that point in the process um, is critical. And then part of the Six Sigma um, process is there's several different stages within that process. Um, And after each process, you check back in with the stakeholders to recap where you're at, to make sure that you're still moving forward the way we wanted to, to make sure the project's still working in the way that we expected it to. Um, but sometimes you're going to do the same thing. You scrap it because it's not going to end up doing what you want it to do. And you have to realize that, but learn from that experience and then pivot into a different path forward that way. So I completely agree. Well, as we wrap up here today, I get to ask my favorite question, um, which is our lodestar question. So a lodestar is a guiding light in the night sky. It's the thing you navigate by. Um, what is your guiding light, Travis? Um, either personally or professionally, I always like to give people an out as to pick one as to what you want to share. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a mentor probably 13, 14 years ago that pulled me aside and asked me what value I bring to my relationships um, that differentiates me from the rest of my competitors or the folks that I would, you know, run into on a daily basis. And that was a hard question for me. Um, to really identify. And after a couple of weeks, I, I came to settle on the fact that I, going forward, I wanted to bring value in a way that nobody else around me was bringing into a relationship. So meaning that if I walk into an office, um, I have to bring value to that conversation in a way that nobody else is doing that. And that might be through compliance. It might be through a business builder. It might be through a mindset conversation um, with a particular individual. But I want to leave those conversations, relationships, whatever engagements, if you will, in a more valuable or not valuable, but more positive way than I, than I came into them with, meaning Mm -hmm. that they got something out of talking to Travis. Um, And I try and do the same thing in my personal life. I don't, you know, I have two Mm -hmm. kids that are 18 now and they're, you know, becoming young adults and learning to, you know, the college experience for the first time. And um, this imparting upon them stuff that, dad learned when he was their age, or maybe, you know, things that I know are out there, just keep an eye on them. We're talking about, um, you know, potential career paths, thing like that, just bring value to the relationship. Um, and when you do that, your credibility is enhanced with that particular individual or within that company. 
Um, but then it also brings about a different dynamic in that relationship where they know they can reach out to you. You're a, you give them guidance or in your particular case, like you said, you're a guiding light for them and you, they, they can rely on mm -hmm. you to champion for them or help put them in the right position. And they know that when they come to Travis or, or, you know, Flagstar that they're going to get sound advice or sound guidance and that we're, we're trying to put them in a position where they don't have to stay up at night wondering what's going to bite them in the rear the next day or down the road. Um, so I guess that's, yeah. you know, bringing value to the people that I interact with is a, a really important priority of mine. Um, and I try and embody that every day. It's not just Monday through Friday from, you know, 6.30 until 5 o'clock at night. It's every day of the week. So even on the weekends, whether I'm hanging out with friends or my wife or my kids or whomever it is, it's, you know, let's, let's make sure that we gain something out of the interactions that we have. Yeah, I think that's a, a great aspiration and is so important. Um, being a resource is, is something I've found that I personally enjoy a lot. So it's yeah. definitely an admirable, admirable trait. Well, oh, thank, thank you. you so much, Travis, for coming on and giving me your time. I really appreciate it. Where can people find you if they're looking to connect? Um, so I don't do a lot of social media other than LinkedIn. I, um, you know, I, my, I, I've seen what, it, what it does. I've, my kids are on it. Um, so uh, years ago, I made a choice to to focus on my professional side of um, my life with respect to social media, and that's where LinkedIn's at. So um, you can find me on LinkedIn um, and, you know, subscribe or follow along to see my post on it. I do my, my post Monday through Thursday, Fridays. A lot of folks I know want to get out for the weekend and stuff like that. So um, engagements are, are there and they're stronger those four days of the week. But I'd love to get feedback from you guys. And if you're looking for um, content on topics, by all means, share it with me and I'll do my best to, to accommodate. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Travis, again. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe. Give us a like. Uh, it means the world to us and here at Lodestar. And we'll see everyone next week. Yep. Thank you very much. My pleasure.